we sing about the holiness of God in a way it draws our heart out to God. We, we find ourselves caught up in a certain wonder. This God high and lifted up who nevertheless stoops down to each one of us. Sometimes it's hard to believe that he does stoop down. Sometimes we feel like we're on the outside looking in. In fact, that's the way a lot of people live their whole lives, feeling like they're on the outside. You can feel like you don't fit in with everyone around you. And sometimes when you feel like that about the people around you, you can feel like that in your relationship to God, as if things are never quite right, as if you can't make them right. And of course you can't. You can't, but God has in sending his son, Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about that this morning. We're going to see an incident from the life and ministry of Jesus where he touches a life that was on the outside. A woman who wasn't one of God's chosen people, someone that the disciples wanted just to brush off and send away, but someone that Jesus absolutely transformed, but not before first saying some shocking things, things that will make you think and ask some questions. We're going to look at that in just a minute. If you're a guest this morning, you've not been here before, you may not know that we've been working through the book of Matthew together. As we dig into these stories of Jesus, it's because we're simply going through the Bible itself. And we're going to start a new section next week. In fact, I can hold up a book for you. We have reading journals. If you've been around, you know it. Some of you have been working through these journals with us. Uh, we read the same scripture during the week. I preach from that passage on Sunday. Our life group study, sections of that passage as well. Everything is brought together as a community of God's people. We seek to know and do the Word of God. But... We finished the last reading journal. We've got new ones. And if you would like to read along, if you'd like to make it part of your own time, your quiet time with God, then out in the foyer, you can pick one up after this service. It's absolutely free if you'll use it. If you'll use it, we want you to have it. And for those of you online, if you'll come by the office, you can get one as well. It's just part of us as a church joining together to study God's Word and seek to obey it because that's what we all want to do. So if you've been with us before, you've seen this outline. This is an outline of the book of Matthew, and right now we're in that section, the Galilean ministry. Jesus is in Galilee, though we'll see in a moment he takes a brief excursion outside Israel. But within that section we find the reading that we did this week together, chapter 15, starting in verse 21, all the way through the end of chapter 16. Our life groups are focusing in on Peter's great confession of faith. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And also on the Lord's prediction of his passion. That's the Christian term usually used for Christ's crucifixion. Jesus spoke of it before it ever happened. But this morning, in this service, I want to talk about the faith of a Canaanite woman. Let's read the passage together. 
Matthew 15, verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. So Jesus has been ministering in Galilee, and he had just been confronted by a group sent from Jerusalem, a group of Pharisees and scribes. They were disturbed by what Jesus was teaching. He wasn't upholding the purity laws. He wasn't observing the Sabbath the way they thought he should observe the Sabbath. He was spending too much time with tax collectors and sinners without, in their view, making it clear that they needed to repent before God would ever accept them. So they were troubled by this young rabbi. They came to check him out, and as I said, they didn't like what they found. The opposition to Jesus is beginning to grow. He can sense it, and he knows it won't be long before he makes his way to Jerusalem and there he will offer his life for the sins of the world. So what he does now is he takes his disciples and goes north, out of Israel, in the area of Tyre and Sidon. Now, that's a large area. Matthew doesn't tell us exactly where he is, but it meant walking at least 30 miles, as much as 50 miles. So Jesus is leaving the environs of Galilee and moving up north out of Jewish territory. He's now in Gentile territory, and he's not there to minister. He's there to collect his thoughts, maybe to teach his disciples, to prepare for the great contest that is to come in Jerusalem. But a woman hears about him, and she's heard enough about him that she knows he can do what no one else can do. She's not Jewish. She is a pagan. She's from this area, and Matthew calls her a Canaanite, which is interesting because that wasn't a term that was used at that time. That was a historical term for the people early on in Scripture who lived in this area. They're called Canaanites. But to use that term is to suggest this woman is a, she's one of, of a pagan people who are the opponents of God's people. They are idolaters. They don't worship God. Mark, when he talks about this woman, he tells the same story. When he talks about this woman, he says that she's a Syrophoenician. That was a little more objective. Matthew puts it right in there. She's a Canaanite because he wants to emphasize that this woman is on the outside. She is not one of God's people. 
But she comes and she cries out to the Lord, son of David, which is a messianic title. So even though she's not a Jew, she has some understanding of what Jews believe, and she believes that Jesus is Messiah. So she cries out to him, have mercy on me. My daughter is possessed by a demon, and she's suffering terribly. Please help me. The Greek term for crying out suggests that she was yelling. She wasn't just earnestly praying, but she was loud. And to the disciples, she was an annoyance. Lord, have mercy on me. She wanted to be heard. And much to our surprise, Jesus meets her with silence. In fact, Matthew underlines that because he says, he did not answer her a word. Stone cold silence. So like those times when you pray and heaven is silent and you wonder, where's God when I need God? Jesus is silent. Now, the disciples take that as reflecting their own feelings. Jesus is silent, so they come to Jesus. They say, send her away. She keeps bothering us, crying out like this. They use the same term, Matthew had just used. She's shouting and she's annoying. Just get rid of her, Lord. Whatever, whatever compassion they may have had for her as a mother who's worried about her daughter, that just leached right out of their souls because she was an annoyance. Well, Jesus seemed to share their annoyance, or at least he seemed to want to put her away because the next words, which some people think Jesus spoke to the disciples, but I think he spoke to the woman in the presence of the disciples. The next words were a kind of brush off, or so they seemed. He said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. I wasn't sent to you. I wasn't sent to the Gentiles. I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. It's like he's saying, you don't count. You're in the wrong category. You belong to the wrong group. I don't have time for you. Well, this woman wasn't going to be brushed off. So, literally in the Greek, she prostrates herself before the Lord. She falls on her knees, even on her face before him, and she says, Lord, help me. Never mind all of that. She doesn't care what his mission was. She knew he was Messiah and that he could help her if he would help her. So she falls down before him and says, Lord, help me. And then Jesus says something shocking, at least to us. It doesn't seem to fit who he is at all. If someone said it today, we would be Stunned by their hardness of heart, Jesus says to the woman, it would not be right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. He's talking about Gentiles as the dogs. The children, they're the Jews. It wouldn't be right to toss the children's bread to the dogs. Now, commentators they have a lot of fun trying to figure out why that's really not as offensive as it sounds. 
My favorite is those who point out that Jesus actually uses the diminutive for dog, so he's really saying something like puppy. It wouldn't be right to throw the children's bread to the little puppies. Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. On any reading, this is a horribly offensive statement. But though it shocks up it, it, us, it probably didn't shock the disciples because this was a common epithet on the part of the Jews for Gentiles. They are dogs. Dogs were unclean. The Gentiles were unclean. Now, you need to know that the Gentiles had some choice names for the Jews, too. There was a lot of going back and forth with that. But the Jews would speak of the Gentiles as dogs. And so when Jesus said this to the disciples, it wasn't a great surprise. Jesus was actually speaking as a typical Jewish rabbi would speak. But this woman, she would not be put off. First, Jesus is silent, won't even speak to her. Then he says, I've got a different mission. My mission isn't to people like you. And then when she keeps pressing in, he says, I can't take what God has given me to distribute to his people and toss it to Gentile dogs like you. You would think that she would get up at that point and she would, she would be gone. In the bitterness of her heart, she would tell everyone about her daughter's terrible suffering and the heartlessness of this Jewish rabbi, you would think. But instead, she takes this analogy, Gentiles are as dogs, and she flips it, and she actually uses it to argue against Jesus. He says, it wouldn't be right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she says, yes, it is, Lord. Yes, it is right. Because even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the table. In other words, no, I'm not leaving. No, I'm not going to let you drive me away. Somehow she understood that in the provision of God, it was right and good and proper that God's Messiah would bless her, deliver her daughter. She knew that. She may not have understood why he was so harsh with her, but she wasn't going to back off. And then Jesus says to her, woman, great is your faith. It wasn't but days before Peter saw Jesus walking on water. He said, Lord, call to me. I want to walk on water as you are. Jesus said, come. Peter got out of the boat. He's walking on the water. But then he saw the waves kicked up by the wind all around him, and he doubted and began to sink. And Jesus grabbed his hand, pulled him out, and said, you of little faith. So Peter, he says, is of little faith, but to this woman, your faith is great. Go read the Gospels, all four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go read them. Find any other person who receives this commendation. You have great faith. Only this woman from Jesus. Peter, your faith is so little. 
Woman, great is your faith. Why is it so great? Because she pushed back the Lord's seeming indifference and even hostility and would not take no for an answer. And even, even in a sense, she argued with Jesus himself. It's not right to toss the bread to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord. Yes, it is. And she was commended. Now, I suspect when she first said that, the disciples are thinking, listen, yes, you really are a Gentile dog, and no, you shouldn't be talking to Jesus like that. It's impertinent for you to try to argue with him like that. But that's not how the Lord took it. He took it completely differently. Now, this is a shocking story because it's, it seems that the Lord deals with her so roughly, and yet we're not completely unaware of similar things in our world. You, you have a military commander who can be hard with his soldiers. I mean, demanding. At times, may even seem cruel. And yet there's a purpose behind it all, a purpose to prepare those soldiers, and a good commander literally loves his men, loves them, and would give his life for them. Well, Jesus gave his life for this woman. What's he doing? Well, he's throwing an obstacle in her way. He's, he's testing her. He's making it difficult for her. Not because she, he wants her to stumble, but because he wants her to push through. He wants her to prove her faith so that it can be improved. It can be strengthened. The challenge is like, like the pressure on a muscle when you're lifting weight. That resistance strengthens you, and this resistance strengthens her. We know that's what he's doing because there's no reason to think that Jesus would want it to withhold a blessing from her because she was Gentile. That can't be. It wasn't that long ago that Cornelius, a Gentile, came to him and said, Lord, would you heal my servant? And Jesus healed his servant, a Gentile. He commended him for his faith. So it's not the first time Jesus has met with a Gentile and dealt with them graciously. Not only that, but back in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And he says that people are going to come from east and west. He means non-Jews, Gentiles from all around the world. They're going to come from east and west, and they're going to share in the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. That's a very Jewish Old Testament way of saying they're going to participate in the new age of salvation. They're going to share in the messianic banquet. That's the image. This, so he's already said that Gentiles are going to be part of this kingdom. And then at the end of the gospel, Matthew tells us that the resurrected Christ says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we know that Jesus has no hang-ups about the Gentiles. But his disciples did. And so not only did he challenge the woman to draw out her faith, but he, he gave voice to the thoughts and attitudes of the disciples and then countered it by what he actually did. Woman, great is your faith. And she gave her what she sought. Then... I didn't read the verses, but if you read the next verses, here's what's really cool. 
Then, after doing that, Jesus takes his disciples down to the shores of Galilee. Not all the way down into, excuse me, the shores of Lake, the, uh, the lake Galilee. Now, he doesn't go all the way down into Galilee, into Jewish territory. He's still in Gentile territory. And after this woman received this miracle, crowds started coming to Jesus. So he was teaching them, but he was also healing them and driving out spirits. These crowds were coming to him. And the disciples saw Jesus ministering to the Gentiles. And Matthew tells us all these Gentiles said, great is the God of Israel. The Gentiles were saying, the God of Israel is great because they began to see in Jesus a grace that changes lives. And then, right after that, if you have been reading along with us in Matthew, you may have been surprised that right after that, Jesus does a miracle. He multiplies the bread and fish and feeds the 4,000. The reason you might be surprised when you read that is because just the last chapter, Jesus feeds the 5,000. So it's kind of like, Matthew, we got the point after the first account. Why do we have to have another account? I mean, what is this? Just back to back. We've got this feeding of all these thousands. It's like a duplicate story almost. But see, it's not a duplicate story because Jesus is still in Gentile territory. Before, when he fed the 5,000 men and the women and children, those were Jews. And by feeding them, that was, that was an emblem that he was bringing the bread of life and that they were sharing in the messianic feast. They were sharing in the age of salvation. Now, in Gentile territory, he's doing the same thing. He's inviting them to the feast. In fact, it says... He wants to have them come together so that he can provide them food because he has compassion on them. He's worried about them and their need. They haven't eaten in three days, he said. Jesus, his heart goes out to them. So get what that means. He tells the woman, it would be wrong to take the children's bread and throw it to the dog. And she says, no, it really is right, Lord. Even the dogs should receive the crumbs from the table. Great is your faith. He goes and ministers to the Gentiles, healing and delivering people. They sing praise or, state, or, or cry out praising the God of Israel. And then, then he distributes the children's bread to the dogs by the thousands. That's what the feeding of the 4,000 represents. Right after he gave voice to the idea that, no, I can't, I can't help you, he turns around and does it with the 4,000. The heart of God is as large as the heart of Jesus. The Apostle Paul later prays that we would all come to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. It's a love that takes in Jew and Gentile. It takes in this woman. That's something that we all need to have, love for others. But what I want to focus on right now, closing right now, 
is you may be in a place where you have great need and you come to God and God is silent. You may even feel as if you're being brushed off. You might feel like God is your problem because God, if you really cared and you really were who you said you were and you really keep your promises, then then something should be different in my life right now. Or it may be that you feel like you really are a Canaanite, you really are a sinner, and, and God just doesn't hear you. You don't need anything except faith. This woman who came to Jesus had nothing except faith, but she had great faith. Why did she have great faith? Because she pushed back and she pushed through all of these obstacles and refused to take no for an answer. That doesn't mean she was dictating to the Lord, but she was desperate and her faith was strong. And that's what you must have, that same kind of faith. Do not, do not give up because it seems that God hasn't heard you. God is testing you. God is testing you. God is proving your faith, seeking to improve it to bring you to a better place. I love the Psalms. I hope you do. So many times in the Psalms you find find words to say what you don't know how to say. And in Psalm 22, we get words that, that Christians have long associated with Jesus because when Jesus was on the cross, he actually quoted the very first verse of Psalm 22. It does depict Jesus, but it also depicts human beings. Because remember, Jesus takes on flesh, becomes a human being. He's united with flesh. Our suffering is his suffering. His suffering is ours. He is is standing with us. In Psalm 22, there's a beautiful verse. Please hear this. It says that God has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has God turned his face away from him. But when he called, God heard. God has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, Some of you are terribly afflicted. And you might feel that God despises you because of it. He looks on you as some Canaanite he cannot bless because of it. God has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. I don't care what it is. Nor has God hidden his face from him. Sometimes God seems like he's hidden. Why would the psalmist give that assurance if it wasn't as if God is hidden? But no, God hasn't hidden his face. When he cried, that afflicted one, when he cried, cried out to God, God heard. He may not have felt like he heard. God may have seemed far off and distant. But great faith is able to say he heard. This morning, I want to invite you to to exercise great faith. 
to trust God even when it seems as if God is brushing you off. To know that the heart of God in all its width and length and height and depth takes in you. That he has mercy on us. And it's not for you to give up in unbelief. It's for you to press in. Don't take no for an answer. The Lord's not giving you a no. He's calling you closer. Meet the challenge. If you are not yet a Christian, you're here because you're interested, but you're not yet a Christian. You can, you can come to Christ now. You can lay it all before him. Put your faith in him, your trust in him. And he'll forgive you and change you from the inside out. You can do that even as we sing. Even as we sing right now. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for sending the Lord Jesus Christ for us. For people like us. With all our flaws and shadows. You sent Christ for us and we thank you for that. Lord, there may be some who've not yet met you as Lord and Savior. May they meet you now. For many, many others, Lord, both in this room and online, we've met you as Savior, but perhaps we've gotten off track and we've gotten tangled up in sin or in some other kind of trouble. And what we need to know right now, Lord, is that you're faithful, even though you may be silent, even though, even though it may seem as if you're not for us, Lord, we know you're for us. And we pray you would help us to put deep, strong, great faith in you as the faithful one, always faithful. You always have been, and you'll bring us through this. We thank you for that. We thank you for that now, in Jesus' name.